Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Dr. Richard Savell. Dr. Savell is the Associate Director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. He also is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care Podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, 2006, and I'm Dr. Richard Savell. Today, we have an opportunity to speak with Dr. Eric Pacht, MD, about an editorial published in the September issue of Critical Care Medicine, the title of which was Enteral Therapy to Decrease Morbidity and Improve Survival in Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome, Its Time Has Come, and this is in reference to an article uh, also published in Critical Care Medicine in September. This is the Ponce Aruda study looking at the EPA-GLA diet, the effects of enteral feeding with icosapentaenoic acid and gamma-linolenic acid, as well as antioxidants in mechanically ventilated patients with severe sepsis syndrome and septic shock. Dr. Pact is a pulmonary and critical care specialist, as well as being the director of the intensive care unit at Licking Memorial Hospital in Ohio. Thank you so much, Dr. Pact, for joining us today on the podcast. You're welcome. Um... Uh, you know, I was uh, reading through this article when it came out, and I was very excited because it seemed to meet a lot of criteria for being a, an important article in, in, in critical care, specifically if they were able to show improvement in mortality at 28 days. It seems to be an article at least worth discussing, and uh, I thought an opportunity to speak with you to perhaps paint a bit of a broader picture as to some of the theory as to why this combination of the EPA-GLA diet might be helpful, some of your personal uh, research experience with it, and then some of your thoughts on this article. I think it is a very exciting article, and I I think it's a study that duplicates uh, an earlier study that I was involved with. It was published in Critical Care Medicine in 1999, and the whole concept behind this specialized diet with EPA and GLA is to try to divert uh, metabolism away from pro-inflammatory agents and eicosanoids and things that may injure the lung and may perpetuate uh, the uh, acute lung injury. Um, And and really, the EPA and the GLA and the elevated antioxidants, it's not clear exactly what exactly is benefiting the patient, but clearly I think the EPA and the GLA are probably the most important things was really studied extensively in animal models uh, in the late 1980s and early 1990s in pig and, and rodent models of ARDS, and really were, really were able to show in models of ARDS that, that this type of enteral feeding could decrease uh, neutrophil recruitment in the lungs, could decrease uh, protein permeability and uh, protein uh, influx of protein into lungs, could decrease the production of pro-inflammatory eicosanoids and could improve clinical outcomes. This is different. I, I did a previous podcast with Doug, uh, with Dr. Highland, where we were contrasting 
immune-enhancing diets that don't appear to work with this, which is immunomodulating diets, where there does appear to be a positive signal, right? Yes. I mean, I think this is a very unique diet. I almost look at it as a therapy rather than a diet. I mean, I, I look at it as a way to provide therapy. It just so happens to come uh, enterally, and it just so happens to provide nutrition. But um, it's a very unique product. It has a very narrow use at this point. I see its use in patients with ARDS and acute lung injury uh, at this point. That's what the literature would support. So one of the... Um one of the issues, and if you could talk about maybe in some of the previous studies and then in the uh, Ponsaruta study, is there there seem to be two uh, or at least two controversies. One is how long that the therapy needs to be given for and what the control diet needs to be. In terms of duration of therapy, uh, I don't think anyone really knows. I think uh, typically it's uh, given at least a week. I would typically, if I had a patient with acute lung injury and ARDS, I would probably feed them uh, until either they were off the ventilator, uh, had clearly improved, or it was apparent that they were, you know, not going to do well, maybe entered into a, a chronic phase, and, and then it would and, and it seemed to be clear that the acute lung injury was over and it was more of, a, you know, more of a chronic phase. But really it's not known, to be quite honest with you. In terms of the control diet, in both the study I was involved with, which was published in 1999, which was really the identical protocol as the Pontus Aruda study, except for the fact that our patients, and this was a multi-center study, our patients had a variety of predisposing disorders that led to ARDS, whereas in Pontus Aruda study published in September, all of his patients had uh, sepsis or septic shock. Um, the control diets in both cases were Pulmacare, whereas the experimental diet obviously was Oxipa or the EPA GLA diet. There have been some people who are concerned that the Pulmacare may cause lung injury. I don't think there was any evidence of that in either study in terms of any worsening of the control group or any adverse uh, respiratory consequences, but that has been raised on occasion. One of the issues in uh, the Ponsaruta study was that uh, the, the title refers to the severe sepsis and septic shock, but when you actually look into the paper, it, they, most of them did not actually have septic shock, and it was primarily a study of patients with, uh, with acute lung injury. Would you like to make any, uh, any comments on that in terms of uh, the study or how it might apply to others? Yeah, the study is uh, acute lung injury ARDS study, and I do think there are portions of it that at times is a bit misleading. It is not a sepsis study, at least I don't think it is, and Pontus Rudis may disagree, but basically it's a study of patients in acute lung injury and ARDS who as a risk factor had sepsis or you know, septic shock. And so I think that until, you know, before you would recommend this, uh, enteral therapy for patients with sepsis, you would have to do a study in patients with sepsis uh, who are not mechanically ventilated, patients who have sepsis without acute lung injury, and to see if you uh, obtain benefit. I think it's conceivable those patients would benefit, but at this point, I think you can only recommend this type of therapy for patients with acute lung injury, ARDS. 
I'm, you know, I'm working in my hospital now to try and get this more involved. And, and I think that that might be something that might be worth spending a few minutes on discussing, you know, how long to wait before pushing in a particular institution. You know, is this enough data? And what is the perception from someone like yourself as a, as a expert in something like this to share with the other intensivists in the United States? I really think it is uh, enough data, and that was sort of the thrust of my editorial that it, it, time has come. I think if you have the the original study uh, published in 1999, there's a Pontus Arutus study. There's two other studies, uh, one by Singer, uh, which was published in uh, Critical Care Medicine in March, or I mean one other study, Singer, which was published in Critical Care Medicine in March, which, which was the same kind of uh, format using this type of therapy in patients with acute lung injury, and it showed similar kind of benefits. So I think there's enough data, and I think the, the other side is you've got uh, uh, ARDS with mortality rate of 35 to 40 percent. There is no specific therapy at this time except for low tidal volume ventilation, and you have something that uh, there have been three prospective randomized controlled studies, all of which have shown the same type of benefits in terms of decreased time in the ventilator, decreased time in the ICU, decreased uh, inflammatory injury, decrease or improvements in oxygenation. There's really no reason not to use it in a sense. There's really no side effects per se other than what you might expect with other tube feeds, and it's obviously extremely uh, inexpensive, probably about $50 a day. So, yeah, I would recommend people use it as soon as possible with all patients who have acute lung injury and ARDS. Well, so the you brought up the two sort of major uh, nutshell points I wanted to address, which is, first of all, it, from the literature, does there appear to be any obvious downside to using it? And I couldn't figure out any, but uh, again, from what you just said, there doesn't appear to be any obvious downside from the literature in patients with the ARDS, right? No, there doesn't appear to be, at least in the studies. I mean, the side effects or complications were relatively mild and very comparable to the uh, control group. And, you know, you, you are also feeding patients, and nutrition obviously is a hot topic and a hot issue now. Uh, so as long as the patients can be fed enterally, I mean, unless there's a contraindication to that, uh, I don't see any downside to, to using it. And that was there any um, specific uh, group of patients other than where there was a contraindication to enteral feeding at all where this uh, particular uh, agent should not be used? Um, I, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Okay. And then the last point, again, that you touched on was this issue of cost-effectiveness, which I I know is becoming a a very controversial and important area in critical care. Uh, And again, from what I can tell and from what you just said, it seems to be a very reasonable uh, uh, cost-effective issue, right? I I agree. I I think so. I mean, if you look at all the three studies I mentioned, um, in all three of them, patients were getting off the ventilator and out of the ICU around five days quicker than on the and patients who were given the same therapy except uh, got the control diet. So, you know, obviously that's uh, five days out of the earlier out of the unit is not only saves a huge amount of money, but you have less chance for complications. And that was the other thing that all the studies also found was there's a much uh, less incidence of new organ failure in the patients who receive the EPA GLA diet. 
Did you want to make any uh, comment on wh what kind of future research projects you think are sort of the most critical to be done to really kind of uh, uh, finalize this as, a, as becoming an important part of uh, caring for the critically ill patient? I'm hopeful that the, the study by Ponce and Ceruta will be noticed uh, because I, I think the use of this product has not really caught on with ICU physicians and intensivists. I think part of that is perhaps it's not quite as glitzy as some of the other things out there, and I think it's hard for some intensivists to accept the fact that something uh, such as nutrition or in the form of a diet can actually be therapeutic. So I think greater attention needs to be paid to the studies already out there. Certainly, if additional studies are done, that would be helpful. I think you could do a study just in sepsis because I think it's conceivable that patients with sepsis alone or septic shock who do not have lung injury uh, potentially could benefit, but that uh, we'll have to see in, uh, in the future. Uh, are there any um, any sort of uh, concluding comments that you'd like to make uh, regarding this interesting topic, either your personal experience being involved in the trials or, or comparing the trials that you were in with some of these results for the, for the listeners? Well, I guess I would just say, you know, I was, although I'm not currently at the Ohio State University uh, Medical Center, I was there for close to 20 years and did a lot of ARDS research I was involved in some of the other trials that were not as uh, that did not work out, and, and I, I think these studies, at least the one I was involved with, and I, I've carefully inspected the Pontus Rudis. I think they were well well done studies. I think they were appropriately controlled, prospective, and randomized, and I think the results have been reproducible. So I think uh, it's just a matter of getting the word out because I do feel fairly strong at this point that you know this uh, type of therapy uh, should be employed in patients with lung injury. We've been speaking today with Dr. Eric Pacht. Dr. Pacht is the director of the intensive care unit at Licking Memorial Hospital in Ohio, and we've been having a discussion about recently published data indicating that the combination of icosapentaenoic acid, gamma-linolenic acid, and antioxidants appears to be associated with improved outcomes in patients uh, with the acute respiratory distress syndrome and septic shock. Thank you so much, Dr. Pacht. You're welcome. Thank you. This concludes our podcast for Wednesday, October 25th, 2006. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. If you have comments, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please call the Society of Critical Care Medicine's audio feedback line at 1-847-493-6498 to share your thoughts. Critical Care Medicine is the official journal of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, offering the latest information about critical care to healthcare professionals. Members of the Society of Critical Care Medicine receive a free subscription as well as other benefits. For more information, visit www.sccm.org. For the iCritical Care Podcast, I'm Dr. Richard Savell. Register now for the Society's 36th Critical Care Congress to be held in Orlando, Florida, USA, February 17th through the 21st, 2007. Connect with your colleagues and gain a multi-professional perspective on clinical topics relevant to your daily ICU environment by attending the various cutting-edge sessions, hands-on workshops, informative symposia, and exciting social engagements. Don't miss the largest multi-professional critical care event of the year. Register today by speaking with an SCCM customer service representative at 1-847-827-6888 or by visiting www.sccm.org.